Part 5 of Adaptation by Mac Reynolds. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 5 Leonid Plekhanov returned to the pedagogue with a certain ceremony. He was accompanied by Joe Chessman, Nat Roberts, and Barry Watson of his original group, but four young, hard-eyed, hard-faced, and armed Tulans were also in the party. Their space lighter swooped in, nestled to the pedagogue's hull in the original bed it had occupied on the trip from Terra City, and her port opened to the corridors of the mother ship. Plekhanov, flanked by Chessman and Watson, strode heavily toward the ship's lounge. Nat Roberts and two of the Toulons remained with the small boat. Two of the other natives followed, their eyes darting here, there, in amazement, in spite of their efforts to appear grim and untouched by it all. Amschel Mayer was already seated at the officer's dining-table. His face displayed his irritation at the other's method of presenting himself. "'Good heavens, Plekhanov! What is this, an invasion?' The other registered surprise. Mayer indicated the Texcocans. Do you think it necessary to bring armed men aboard the pedagogue? Frankly, I have not even revealed to a single Genoese the existence of this ship." Jerry Kennedy was seated to one side, the only member of Mayor's team who had accompanied him for this meeting. Kennedy winked at Watson and Chessman. Watson grinned back, but held his peace. Plekhanov sank into a chair, rumbling. "'We hold no secrets from the Texcaucans. The sooner they advance to where they can use our libraries and laboratories, the better. And the fact these boys are armed has no significance. My Tulans are currently embarked on a campaign to unite the planet. Arms are sometimes necessary, and Tula, my capital, is somewhat of an armed camp. All able-bodied men—Mayor broke in heatedly. And is this the method you use to bring civilization to Texcoco? Is this what you consider the purpose of the Office of Galactic Colonization, an armed camp? How many persons have you slaughtered thus far?" "'Easy,' Joe Chessman growled. Amschel Mayer spun on him. "'I need no instruction from you, Chessman. Please remember I'm senior in charge of this expedition, and as such rank you.' Plekhanov thudded a heavy hand on the table. I'll call my assistance to order, Mayor, if I feel it necessary. Admittedly, when this expedition left Terra City, you were the ranking officer. Now, however, we've divided. At your suggestion, please remember. Now there are two independent groups, and you no longer have jurisdiction over mine. Indeed, Mayor barked. And suppose I decide to withhold the use of the pedagogue's libraries and laboratories to you? I tell you, Plekhanov—' Leonid Plekhanov interrupted him coldly. "'I would not suggest you attempt any such step, Mayor.' Mayor glared, but suddenly reversed himself. "'Let's settle down and become more sensible. This is the first conference of the five we have scheduled. Ten years have elapsed. Actually, of course, we've had some idea of each other's progress, since team members occasionally meet on trips back here to the pedagogue to consult the library. 
I'm afraid, my dear Leonid, that your theories on industrialization are rapidly being proven inaccurate. Nonsense! Mayor said smoothly, In the decade past, my team's efforts have more than tripled the Genoese industrial potential. Last week one of our steamships crossed the second ocean. We've located petroleum and the first wells are going down. We've introduced a dozen crops that had all disappeared through misadventure to the original colonists, and, oh yes, our first railroad is scheduled to begin running between Bari and Ronda next spring. There are six new universities, and in the next decade I expect fifty more." "'Very good indeed,' Plekhanov grumbled. "'Only a beginning. The breath of competition, of unharnessed enterprise, is sweeping Genoa. Feudalism crumbles. Customs, mores, and traditions that have held up progress for a century or more are now on their way out." Joe Chessman growled, "'Some of the boys tell me you've had a few difficulties with this crumbling feudalism thing. In fact, didn't Buckwald barely escape with his life when the barons on your western continent united to suppress all chartered cities?' Mayor's thin face darkened. "'Never fear, my dear Joseph. Those barons responsible for shedding the blood of Western Hemisphere elements of progress will shortly pay for their crimes." "'You've got military problems, too, then?' Barry Watson asked. Mayor's eyes went to him in irritation. "'Some of the free cities of Genoa are planning measures to regain their property and rights on the Western Hemisphere. This has nothing to do with my team, except, of course, in so far as they might sell them supplies or equipment." The lanky Watson laughed lowly. <laughs> you mean like selling them a few quick-firing breech-loaders and trench-mortars? Lekhanov muttered. That'll be enough, Barry. But Mayor's eyes had widened. How did you know? He whirled on Plekhanov. You're spying on my efforts, trying to negate my work. Plekhanov rumbled. Don't be a fool, Mayor. Our team has neither the time nor interest to spy on you. Then how did you know? Barry Watson said mildly. I was doing some investigation in the ship's library. I ran into evidence that you people had already used the blueprints for breech loaders and mortars. Jerry Kennedy came to his feet and rambled over to the mess room's bar. This seems to be all out rather than a conference to compare progress," he said. Anybody for a drink? Frankly, that's the next thing I'm going to introduce to Genoa. Some halfway decent liquor. Do you know what those benighted heathens drink now?" Watson grinned. Make mine whiskey, Jerry. You've no complaints. Our benighted heathens have a national beverage fermented from a plant similar to cactus. Ought to be drummed out of the human race." He spoke idly, forgetful, of the Tulan guards stationed at the doorway. Kennedy passed drinks around for everyone, save Mayor, who shook his head in distaste. If only for a brief spell, some of the tenseness left the air, while the men from Earth sipped their beverages. Jerry Kennedy said, "'Well, you've heard our report. How go things on Texcoco?' According to plan, Plekhanov rumbled. Mayor snorted. Plekhanov said ungraciously, 
our prime effort is now the uniting of the total population into one strong whole, a superstate capable of accomplishing the goal set us by the coordinator. Mayor sneered. Undoubtedly, this goal of yours, this superstate, is being established by force. Not always, Joe Chessman said. Quite a few of the tribes join up on their own. Why not? The state has a lot to offer. Such as what? Kennedy said mildly. Chessman looked at him in irritation. Such as advanced medicine, security from famine, military protection from more powerful nations, the opportunity for youth to get an education and find advancement in the state's government, if they've got it on the ball. And what happens if they don't have it on the ball? Chessman growled. What happens to such under any society? They get the dirty end of the stick jobs. His eyes went from Kennedy to Mayer. Are you suggesting you offer anything better? Mayer said, Already on most of Genoa it is a matter of free competition. The person with ability is able to profit from it. Joe Chessman grunted sour amusement. Of course it doesn't help to be the son of a wealthy merchant or a big politician. Plekhanov took over. In any society the natural leaders come to the top in much the same manner as the big ones come to the top in a bin of potatoes. They just work their way up. Jerry Kennedy finished his drink and said evenly, At least those at the top can claim they're the biggest potatoes. Remember back in the twentieth century, when Hitler and his gang announced they were the big potatoes in Germany, and men of Einstein's stature fled the country, being small potatoes, I suppose. Amschel Mayer said, We're getting away from the point. Pray go on, my dear Leonid. You say you are forcibly uniting all Texcoco. We are uniting all Texcoco, Plekhanov corrected with a scowl, not always by force. And that is by no means our only effort. We are ferreting out the most intelligent of the assimilated peoples and educating them as rapidly as possible. We've introduced iron, and used it chiefly for weapons, Kennedy murmured, antibiotics and other medicines, a field agriculture, or rapidly building roads, military roads, Kennedy mused, to all sections of the state, have made a beginning in naval science, and of course haven't ignored the arts. On the face of it, Mayer nodded, hardly approaching Genoa. Plekhanov rumbled indignantly. We started two ethnic periods behind you. Even the Tulans were still using bronze, but the Genoese had iron and even gunpowder. Our advance is a bit slow to get moving, Mayor, but when it begins to roll. Mayor gave his characteristic snort. <laughs> a free people need never worry about being passed by a subjected one. Barry Watson made himself another drink, and while doing so looked over his shoulder at Amschel Mayor. It's interesting the way you throw about that term free. Just what type of government do you sponsor? Mayor snapped. Our team does not interfere in governmental forms, Watson. The various nations are free to adapt to whatever local conditions obtain. They range from some under feudalistic domination to countries with varying degrees of republican democracy. 
Our base of operations in the Southern Hemisphere is probably the most advanced of all the chartered cities, Barry. It amounts to a city-state somewhat similar to Florence during the Renaissance. And your team finds itself in the position of the Medici, I suppose? You might use that analogy. The Medici might have been, well, tyrants of Florence, dominating her finances and trade, as well as her political government, but they were benevolent tyrants. Yeah, Watson grinned. The thing about a benevolent tyranny, though, is that it's up to the tyrants to decide what's benevolent. I'm not sure there's a great basic difference between your governing of Genoa and ours of Texcoco. Don't be an ass, Mayor snapped. We are granting the Genoese political freedoms as fast as they can assimilate them. Joe Chessman growled. But I imagine it's surprising to find just how slowly they can assimilate. A moment ago you said they were free to form any government they wished. Now you say you feed them what you call freedom only as fast as they can assimilate it. Obviously we encourage them along whatever path we think will most quickly develop their economies, Mayor argued. That's what we've been sent here to do. We stimulate competition, encourage all progress, political as well as economic. Plekhanov lumbered to his feet. Um, Shell, obviously nothing new has been added to our respective positions by this conference. I propose we adjourn to meet again at the end of the second decade. Mayor said, I suppose it would be futile to suggest you give up this impossible totalitarian scheme of yours and reunite the expedition. Plekhanov merely grunted his disgust. Jerry Kennedy said, What stand have you taken on giving your planet immortality? Immortality? Watson said. We haven't it to give. You know what I mean. It wouldn't take long to extend the lifespan double or triple the present. Amschel Mayer said, At this stage progress is faster with the generations closer together. A man is pressed when he knows he has only twenty or thirty years of peak efficiency. We on earth are inclined to settle back and take life as it comes. You younger men are all past the century mark, but none have bothered to get married as yet. Plenty of time for that, Watson grinned. That's what I mean. But a Texhokan or Genoese feels pressed to wed in his twenties or earlier to get his family under way. There's another element, Plekhanov muttered. The more the natives progress, the more nearly they'll equal our abilities. I wouldn't want anything to happen to our overall plans. As it is now, their abilities taper off at sixty and they reach senility at seventy or eighty. I think until the end we should keep it that way. A cold-blooded view, Kennedy said. If we extended their life expectancy, their best men would live to be of additional use to planet development. But they would not have our dream, Plekhanov rumbled. Such men might try to subvert us, and just possibly might succeed. I think Leonid is right, Mayer admitted with reluctance. Later, in the space lighter heading back for Genoa, Mayer said speculatively, did you notice anything about Leonid Plekhanov? Kennedy was piloting. He seems the same irascible old curmudgeon he has always been. It seems to me he's become a touch power-mad. 
Could the pressures he's under cause his mind to slip? Obviously all isn't peaches and cream in that attempt of his to achieve world government on Texcoco. Well, Kennedy muttered, all isn't peaches and cream with, with us, either. The barons are far from licked, especially in the West. He changed the subject. By the way, that banking deal went through in Pola. I was able to get control. <laughs> Fine, Mayor chuckled. You must be quite the richest man in the city. There is a certain stimulation in this financial game, Jerry, isn't there? Uh-huh, Jerry told him. Of course, it doesn't hurt to have a marked deck. Marked deck? The other frowned. It's handy that gold is the medium of exchange in Genoa, Jerry Kennedy said, especially in view of the fact that we have a machine on the ship capable of transmuting metals. End of Part 5